Welcome everyone to the Shepherd Talk podcast with Pastor Ray Jones from Ridgecrest Baptist Church. This conversation is centered on reaching, building, and connecting you to the mission God has in store for your life. We hope these practical conversations help to encourage and equip you to follow Jesus in a greater way. Pastor, how are you doing today? Doing great, Chase. How are you doing? I'm good as well. Before we jump in, how's Bodie? Bodie is awesome. For our listeners, that is my grandson, and he did something today that he's not done heretofore, and that is when my daughter FaceTimed me uh, with him, he immediately, when he saw my face, he called my name without being prompted and said, pop, pop. And when he saw me, so that's pretty cool. Uh, you guys will perhaps one day understand it, but that's pretty cool Yeah, uh, for him to identify me on the phone and call my name. So it's yeah. over now. Well, it's been over pretty much, right, Pastor? But now that he can say pop, when he looks at you and says pop, man, he can have whatever he wants pretty much, right? It, it's been that way really for a long time, but especially it, now that he can identify that I'm his pop yeah, he pretty much, he'll have his way with us, I suspect. Let me ask one more question. What right. is something that you look most forward to, to be able to do with Bodie in the days ahead? Uh, you know, I thought about that. What 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 might we do as he gets older? I, you know, I know it sounds silly, but man, just to, uh, just to be able to maybe one day, you know, throw the baseball around, uh, right. that kind of stuff. Go fishing, yeah. you know. Uh, I want to be the the granddad that um, spoils him uh, so that he will always think pop is the coolest thing on the planet. So uh, um, just about anything he wants to do that is within the boundaries of, (laughs) you know, of life is not uh, outside the boundaries of morality. I think he'll probably... You'll probably be pretty persuasive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's neat. I, I get to watch um, parents and uh, grandchildren. Uh, they kids do that. My, oh yeah, pretty yeah. much anything. Yeah. They kind of ruin your kids. They do. They and do. And you have to. You and Lee have to <laughs> kind of bring them back into reality. Exactly right. But they ruin them in a good way. So yeah. they love them well. Yeah, that's a cool thing. Well, we're transitioning a lot here, Pastor, but uh, you know we're all affected by what we're going to talk about today, and that's uh, an election year that mm-hmm. we find ourselves in, and uh, it's important. I, you know, you've talked a lot about this in different ways about the importance of uh, where the church plays in that, and followers of Christ, and when it comes to election year and voting and, and that type of thing. And so, let's just begin, just in general, Pastor. What would you say um, needs to be going through the mind of the church when it comes to an important election year like this year? Well, um, I would say first of all, in the age, because of the age and the culture we're in, uh, the church needs to be thinking about religious freedom and re- religious liberties. That's good. Um, and uh, I think the church needs to be thinking Supreme Court, those kinds of things. And the reason is because those have long-term bearing on our ability to continue to minister the gospel and to be the representatives of Christ without having to be um, either monitored or restricted in uh, in expressing our faith. So I, I think those are huge things right there uh, that sometimes get blown over, uh, even among church members, about, um, about what an election does. And right. so I think... To me, uh, the ability to continue to freely 
express my Christianity is a huge thing, and especially for the entire uh, church uh, in the future. That, and of course, the judicial system, uh, frankly, in this country, the judicial system carries a heavy hammer right. about what can be done and what can't be done. And so that's why we need to be very, very uh, conscientious of the kind of judges, the Supreme Court, uh, the district judges, all of these sorts of things, they have an, a bearing on the first thing, and that is our freedoms of expression. Right. That's really good, Pastor. In a, in a recent column, um, or more in a, a column back uh, a few years ago, actually, but in this column, you, you make a point about the importance of voting, obviously, but also voting specifically. Mm-hmm. And so as you talk about um, what you just shared as far as the, the importance and, and, and the, the implications that come from, obviously, our vote, uh, explain a little bit more about voting specifically. Well, voting specifically relates to facts. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, I think I said in that column that my intent is not to insult anybody's intelligence or to offend anyone, uh, or and there's certainly no malice in, inside of me. But when we talk about voting specifically, here are the facts in the age in which we live. And that is at least in the last election and most likely in this next election, there were there may be third-party candidates, but the reality is third-party candidates have no chance of winning. And, uh, and so that gets us down to two candidates. You're going to have two candidates. So, uh, and I've had people through the years say, well, I can't vote for either candidate. And I know their intention is, is a, a noble intention, but the, the facts are, even if you don't vote for one of the two candidates or you vote for a third party candidate and folks don't like to hear this, you actually are voting for one of the two candidates. You say, how could that be? Because if a third party candidate can't win, then whoever does win is who you actually voted for Right. by default. I don't know if that makes sense. It does, yeah. uh, and then there are those who say, well, I just won't vote at all. But a no vote is a vote. Again, whoever wins is the one that benefited from the no vote. Right. And so uh, while the intention and the hearts of many are good, the fact is somebody's going to be elected. Somebody's going to be elected. And so if you vote for a third party or you vote for a nobody, you really are voting. You, you may think, well, but I didn't vote for the, one of the the two, but you did, because whoever wins is who your vote most uh, work for. So, so that's why we need to, to vote very specifically, because yeah. somebody is going to win, right? And you have to know who's going to win, right? Uh, one of these two, right? Uh, so for that reason, I say vote specifically, right? Does, does that make sense? No, it does. It yeah. totally makes sense. You know, in when you think of voting specifically, you also in this column talk about platforms and how those platforms are the key to making the best choice under the current circumstances. And so share for just a minute about in voting specifically, what do you mean by platforms and how do they play into how we vote? Well, platforms are the position that the 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 two candidates, you all candidates have a platform, but right. Essentially, you get down to two candidates, okay? Those two candidates have platforms. Right. 
And that's what they're running on. A platform are the values or the policies or the direction that they will take as uh, a president uh, or any other elected official. Every elected official has some kind of platform, even if they can't articulate it very well, right. which is a dangerous thing. Right. But they have a platform. So when you start looking at how do I vote, you may say, well, I don't like parts of this platform and I don't like parts of that platform. But what you have to do is you have to wait. I've only got two options, really. So which platform is going to most um, closely resemble the values that I hold to? You say, well, you know, I don't like either one a lot. Well, that's okay, but one of them's going to get elected. Right. On whatever level, whether it's president all the way down to other elected. So one's going to get elected. So which one can you, because you're going to have to live with one of them. Right. So which one can you most uh, say the, the values that they do hold, uh, I have some similar values. Right. Uh, comparatively. More with this candidate versus this candidate. I don't even think it's a party thing. I think it is a platform uh, kind of thing. And one of the things I always tell people is vote values. How do you arrive? You vote values. And, um, you know, we, we've we heard, especially in these last few years, well, you you know, um, a person's past comes up and nobody sanctions a person's past or that sort of thing, I would think. But uh, also, it's interesting, even among Christians, we don't allow for any kind of regeneration in a person. So 30 years ago, they did something that we say, that's completely distasteful. But at the same time, we talk about the power of God to regenerate or, or change things in a person's life. Right. And so I think we have to be careful that we don't believe that God can or has or is in the process of changing a person's a person's life. We, we hold to this redemption idea or this regeneration yeah. idea. Yeah. The facts are nobody wants to go back in anybody's life and say, let's go back 20 years ago or let's go back 10 years ago. And because we can pull out some junk, all of us could. Right, exactly. We could pull out junk, and people could pull that junk out and say, yeah, 20 years ago you said this, or 20 years ago you did this. Well, I hope we're all different people than we were, and as believers we should be. Right. Uh, now, you say, yeah, but how about non-believers? Well, still, a non-believer is going, if, if you've got two non-believers, one of them's going to win. Right. So which one of them it shows the most promise of, of what you might call a more regenerate uh, path and or which one can you can say, hey, while I don't agree with their lifestyle, their platform is most likely to protect the values that I hold dear. It's not saying you have to like the individual. Right. You don't have to affirm their character. We, again, we've seen this played out in our presidency in America in the last several years. But what you do have to answer is, what are the values they're either going to undermine or uh, protect? Right. Because those values make all the difference in in the work of God in, in a, a culture. And, you know, uh, we have examples in the Old Testament. There's Cyrus the Persian who enabled the people of God. He helped rebuild the temple of God. He was a pagan, but he helped rebuild the temple of, of God. Uh, and so we have examples in the scripture of 
uh, authorities who were pagan and yet at the same time ad God used them to advance his values right. for his people. And so that's a and, and another thing, we sometimes bog down and we're talking mainly to the Christian community. We bog down in this whole idea of of Christian uh, Christian leadership, Christian we have to remember when it comes to America is not a theocracy. Israel was supposed to be a theocracy, but even they forfeited that. They said, no, we want an earthly king. Right. But America is not a theocracy. We are a democratic republic, actually. We call it a democracy, but it's really a representative form of democracy. Uh, and the Electoral College, by the way, is an expression of this democratic republic. So here's my point, though, Chase. We don't elect, whether it's president or any, we're not electing a theologian in chief. <laughs> yeah. Now, if we were, that changes everything. But we're not. Uh, we're not, uh, we're, this isn't a theocracy. So we're not electing the theologian in chief. If that were the case, you, the argument would be completely different. But because we're not, and because we're limited in t terms of who can win an election, You've got to say which which person if they're a maybe they're a strong believer, and that's the case in many elections in in Congress and in uh, a Senate and in uh, local elections, uh, and that helps. That makes it pretty clear, you know. Right. But if they're not, then you have to say this isn't about party. This is about values, mm -hmm. and which values uh, can I most live with? Because I'm going to have to live with. I'm going to have to live with one or the other set of values. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. totally makes sense, Pastor. So when you think of voting specifically based around platforms, what would an average person need to do to educate themselves on platforms and how to vote specifically? Um, because we see commercials on TV. We hear things on, you know, radio, see signs, all this kind of stuff. How would somebody go about truly um educating themselves on the platform in the specific way uh, that they should decide to vote? Well, what, uh, probably some of the simplest ways are there are organizations that have put out uh, voters' guides. And, uh, and, and look, hey, let's be honest. Those voter guides have an agenda, too. They have an right. agenda to convince you. With, but if, if the voter guide takes the issues that are most concerning which are values-based kinds of things, you can see they'll show you how everybody voted. Right. And that'll give you a flair for uh, what what values are important and how, uh, how the particular candidates have positioned themselves. And to me, that's probably more helpful even than listening to your favorite news source. Right. Because your favorite news source is probably mostly going to affirm the things you already <laughs> probably have a very strong conviction. I'm not saying that's bad, but if you want to if you want to learn, uh, my guess is you can go on the internet now. There are there are other organizations. A Family Research Council would be one, for example, out of uh, uh, Washington D.C. area. Some of the, and they'll have position guides, and it shows where candidates position themselves on issues, for example, that Christians would be very, very concerned about right. if they knew what they were. Right. So that's how you can educate yourself. Um, you're going to pick up tidbits from the news, but what one news 
service will say to you. You can go to the other news service and they'll undermine uh, by promoting a different kind of agenda. So I think uh, values, voter kinds of guides are a good way to know because those values, and we're talking primarily to a Christian audience, and Christians have struggled with this, right. is that they need to find out uh, through some uh, some of these guides that will take show the position of the different candidates. Uh, and that'll help you know, first of all, what's important. Right and uh, where everybody stands on what's important. Right. Yeah, that's that's a great resource. There's easily those can be found. And you at one point, Pastor, in this um, this uh, column from back a couple years ago referenced the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association had something similar to this. And so uh, different things out there to help um, in that education. Right. So lastly, Pastor, um, before we just kind of wrap up, as the church and in this area of election, what would you say um, when the direction we feel educated and the platform we feel directed to vote specifically for um, isn't the the winner how and elected? What is it? How should the church? What do you What do you do in that situation? How do you feel? Uh, you mean if uh, if one who doesn't share our values is right, elected? Right, how do we? Right. Well, we still have the mandate of scripture. The mandate of Scripture in Romans is that we are to pray for those in authority over us. Right. And that, by the way, means whoever is in authority over us. It doesn't just mean if the people we wanted to be in authority are. So we still have this scriptural mandate. And when Paul wrote that, you have to understand something interesting. The Roman Empire was led by one of the most heinous uh, emperors it had ever had, a man named Nero. And Nero uh, was known for lighting his palace gardens by taking Christians, dipping them in pitch, tying them to trees, and lighting them slowly and letting them literally burn to death but be like human torches to light his uh, palace garden. And that's the same authority that Paul writes and says, pray for those in authority over you. Right. So that's a little harder to swallow, quite right. frankly. But now he didn't say, for example, what to pray completely. Uh, he does tell us we have to submit to authorities. That submission does not mean if they call us to defy or deny God. But in the general course and order of government, there is a sense in which we are to comply with that which doesn't violate the obvious text of Scripture. But uh, when Paul was telling them to, to pray for the emperor, you, again, you had Nero, and he was, he was as wicked as they, they come. So he doesn't tell us what to pray completely, which means you could pray, God, deliver us. You could pray, God, cause them to come to know who you are. And we ought to be praying that for our leaders uh, always. Uh, Constantine, who ruled the Roman Empire later on, separated the empire into east and west. Uh, Constantinople, which is today Istanbul, was named after him. He had a vision of Christ and as a result of that, uh, converted to Christ. Uh, he tried to make the entire empire uh, Christian, which you, you can't force that. Uh, on people, but he had a unique evangelism strategy, and it was uh, either uh, give your life to Christ or we'll behead you. Uh, I'm sure he had a lot of conversions to right, Christ yeah, as a result yeah. of that. 
uh, we all I say that tongue in cheek because we know probably most of it wasn't reality. Right. But but he was an emperor and had been anti-Christ, if you will, anti-Christian until he got converted. One of the things we ought to be praying for leaders uh, that do not uh, represent the Christian value is God save them. Right. Put people around them that that are saved and uh, uh, help them see uh, the light and the truth. They may share our values in a lot of things, but it's even better if they come to know Christ and share our values. Right, right. That's great thoughts, uh, Pastor. And so let's just wrap up today by, uh, I know you have a free resource that you'd like to share, but why don't you share any last thoughts on uh, this thought of election and this year we find ourselves in and then share that free resource. Well, uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting year in particular. And we're already seeing that. Um, so my counsel would be, uh, remember values, as we've talked about, uh, the things that are most important. And, and I would say, if I had to rank them, I would say it's going to be religious liberty and the protection of life. Uh, those are the two highest. And that's going to be reflected in and through the judicial system. Right. So that means... Uh, when you start thinking about candidates, who are those that are going to protect those kinds of things? Um, so, and that's about values. Think values instead of personalities, if that helps. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Think values instead of personalities. That's really good. And that, that will help you. And that's the platform thing that we talked about. Right. And then, of course, pray. That's good. I, I mean, you know, as Paul said, pray. Pray for those in authority over you. And and we must pray, and uh, then we have to be wise enough to say, somebody's going to win, so I'm going to vote. There's only going to be two options in the end. So I'm, let me tell you what Franklin Graham said. It was a great line. He said, you're just going to have to ask yourself, which of the two presumptive nominees do you think we as Christians will at least have a voice with? You have to make that choice. Um, now, you know, I said this. You might have to hold your nose. <laughs> Sorry, and, I didn't quite catch that. Could you please And uh, you, you might have to do that. We just had a little bit of a visitor. Siri. Was that Broxton that just popped in? <laughs> I, I think that was Broxton that popped your in. Your Siri but, sounds different than my Siri. Yeah, well, mine sounds more masculine, I think, than <laughs> yours does. And uh, but and you're right. All right, let's wrap this up. Yeah, yeah, let's <laughs> let's wrap. But those are some things to That's remember. Good. That's good. Uh, we have a free resource we want to give you. You know, everything in our culture sooner or later gets back to spiritual warfare. That's right. And so we have a resource that we want to make available to you. It's called Spiritual Warfare. Are you ready for the battle? And um, it's parts one and part two of one of our resource cards. All you've got to do is request it by writing to us through email at shepherdtalk at rbcdothan.org and just request uh, this week's free resource, Spiritual Warfare. Are you ready for the battle? Parts one and two. And we'll be happy uh, to shoot that to you. Yeah, I appreciate that, Pastor. These are some great thoughts as we find ourselves in this important uh, election year of 2020. And so if you, uh, if today's been uh, encouraging to you and some information that's been helpful, we'd love for you to give us a comment and uh, share uh, this podcast so others can experience it as, uh, as well. And we look forward to continue talking on the Shepherd Talk podcast in the days ahead. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Shepherd Talk podcast. 
We hope God will continue to use you to reach the lost, build up other believers, and connect your life to the mission and purpose God has for you. We look forward to more talks in the days ahead with Pastor Ray.